Hey friends, welcome to A Better Story Podcast. It has been a crazy weekend in a couple days. I don't know how you're feeling. If you're angry or disillusioned or confused, you've been paying attention. I just got done watching President Trump's latest press conference, so if this podcast comes across particularly outraged, then that is why. But it's been infuriating and angering and confusing to see the level of hatred that was on display in Charlottesville, the racism and the white supremacy and the terrorism, and then to see the response of President Trump and others like him has made it even worse. And I can't imagine what it's like to be a person of color or an immigrant or a Jewish individual who has been the recipient of that hate for so long and who is most affected by the words of those with the most power. And so I'm not going to pretend to have a magical answer for all of this, but I can do what we do just about every week, and that's look at an old story and see how it can maybe move us or point us in the right direction. And all of this started with a tweet. I don't know what you were doing on Saturday, but I found myself kind of glued to social media and to Twitter, just watching live news reports and reactions to what was going on in Charlottesville. And there was one that for some reason stuck out to me more than anything else. It's literally one of the only tweets that I can actually remember word for word from that day. And it said, if your church tomorrow tells you to turn the other cheek, find a new church. And it stuck with me, partly because I agreed with it 100%, and another part because I think it was telling. And here's what I mean. I agree with it because she's pointing out a complete misunderstanding of the words of Jesus when he says to turn the other cheek. So oftentimes those words have been used to keep people who have experienced violence and oppression and hatred in positions that leave them vulnerable to that. So often those words come from people who have power and are told to people who don't have power. And so often those words miss what Jesus was actually trying to say. And so if your spiritual community in the wake of a tragedy like Charlottesville encourage you, whether you're a person of color or a Jewish individual or a migrant worker or an LGBTQ individual, to just take it, to forgive right away and to forget, then that's a shallow understanding of what Jesus was actually saying. When it comes to encountering racism in our country, so often churches have used the term reconciliation. And they point to verses like the turn the other cheek first to say that Jesus is trying to lead us to reconciliation. And the term reconciliation is fine, except that I don't think we actually understand the nature of reconciliation and the nature of the relationships that racism has caused. Because oftentimes when people talk about reconciliation, they talk about it as if it's just two friends who have had a fight and they just need to make up and get along and hug. But that's not what racism has been in the United States. Racism has been the systematic and constant abuse of a large group of people. And so if we're going to use reconciliation, then we need to talk about it as an abuser and someone who has been abused. And that's not just a quick fix. That requires acknowledging the depth in the history of the problem. That requires an in-depth look at the history of the United States, at the laws that have been passed, at the way laws have been enforced or not enforced to hurt people of color. 
So if we start talking about racial reconciliation in those terms, where we start with racial equality that actually makes reconciliation possible, then maybe we can get somewhere. So if you went to a church or a spiritual community that this Sunday gave some sort of shallow interpretation of reconciliation or encouraged everyone just to get along and turn the other cheek, then I think that is completely missing what Jesus is saying. And to find that out, let's figure out what Jesus is actually saying. And this all comes from a scholar named Walter Wink in a book called The Powers That Be, a book that changed how I read Jesus. So if you're into this, check that book out, The Powers That Be by Walter Wink. So in Matthew 5, Jesus is talking to an oppressed group of people. And he says to them, if someone strikes you on the right cheek, turn to them the other cheek. And so oftentimes people just assume that Jesus is saying, absorb the violence, overlook it, let them hit you again, be the victim. That's not what Jesus is saying. And we find this out when we pay really close attention to what Jesus says. See, if he was just talking about when someone hits you, at any normal time, or punches you, he would just say, when someone hits you or when someone punches you. But he gets oddly specific. He says, if someone strikes you on the right cheek, turn them to the other one. Now, you're going to have to visualize this a little bit. So if you have someone with you, tell them what you're doing so it doesn't seem super strange. Imagine someone is in front of you, and you're going to hit them on their right cheek. What hand would you use? You'd have to use your left hand. If they're right in front of you, the only way you could punch them on their right cheek is with your left hand. But if you know anything about ancient Near Eastern culture that Jesus was a part of, or even modern Middle Eastern culture, you know that you can't use your left hand for anything, even punching someone. I was in the Middle East in college for a little while, and I'm left-handed. But in public, I could never use my left hand. I couldn't eat with it. I couldn't touch someone with it. I couldn't do anything with it because it's considered unclean. So even if you're going to hit someone, you're not going to use your left hand. So then how could someone hit someone on the right cheek, like Jesus says? Well, then if you're going to hit someone on their right cheek with your right hand, it's not going to be a punch. It's going to be a backhand slap. Just like it does today, back then, a backhanded slap wasn't meant to actually hurt someone. It was meant to make them feel inferior. It was meant to put them in their place, to make them feel less than human. So Jesus is talking to an oppressed group of people who have been oppressed for a long time by a variety of empires who told them over and over and over again that they were less than human. And Jesus says, when someone uses violence to make you feel less than human, when they slap you across the cheek, you turn to them the other cheek. Now keep visualizing this. What that does is you offer them the opportunity to hit you again. But if you're giving them your left cheek, that means all of a sudden they have to actually punch you with their right hand. But you're like, why would I want to get punched? Well, what it does is makes them treat you like an equal. Because you slap someone you think is inferior. You punch someone, you fight someone on equal ground that you actually think is a worthy opponent that is equal to you. But of course, in this time, if a Roman centurion or anyone else who was oppressing Jesus's listeners was offered the left cheek after hitting someone, after slapping someone, there's no way they would engage them as an equal because that would defeat the point that they're trying to do. It would mean that they were all of a sudden human. 
So what Jesus is trying to do in this is instill creatively and thoughtfully a way to demand and assert the humanity of those who were oppressed without resorting to the violence that oppressors were using. And so going back to that tweet that I mentioned at the beginning, if we preached what Jesus was actually saying, if we said in the face of racism and white supremacy and neo-Nazis, that those who have been oppressed and told they are less than demand that they be treated equal, and we use Jesus's words to show how that's possible, we have a much different story. Now, there's been another question that's been going around in conversation and on social media, and it's sort of like a, it sounds like a silly hypothetical one, but there's actually a lot of seriousness to it, and that's the question of whether or not it's okay to punch a Nazi. And obviously, Jesus's command has something to do with this. Let me be clear. If anyone deserves to be punched, it's a Nazi. It's a white supremacist. It's a racist. But the question isn't so much whether or not they deserve violence. The question is, what does violence do to us? What I think Jesus is trying to do is give an oppressed group of people the courage to assert their humanity without resorting to the violence that oppressed them. Because they were better than that. So does a Nazi deserve to be punched? Yeah, I think so. But does that help us? Are we better than that? I think what Jesus is trying to do is creatively empower those who have been disempowered for so many years. Disempowered and oppressed by people who look a lot like me. So if you're hearing Jesus' words today, and you've been disempowered, if you were on the receiving end of those threats of violence this weekend in Charlottesville, whether directly or indirectly, if President Trump's words affected you directly, made you feel less than safe because of who you are, then what Jesus is trying to do, I think, is instill in us a demand that you be treated equal, that we not resort to the shameful violence that we saw on Saturday when an angry little white supremacist committed an act of terrorism. If you're hearing these words as a white man like I am, I hope they give us the courage to do the honest and hard work to look at our history, to look at the systems that benefit us, to look at the things we say, the assumptions we have, and see how they may disempower others and how we can change those systems to empower others. So we have a long way to go, friends. But I hope that the words of Jesus point us in the right direction, a direction that resists dehumanizing oppression, but also resists the urge to meet that dehumanizing violence with more violence. Till next time, peace, friends.